0: It's time for episode 88 of the Clockwise podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 20th, 2015. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, where it's time for Dan to go on vacation. Dan. So joining me, I'm Jason Snell, across the internet from me, my uh, temporary co-host, who has been, who has done this a couple of times before, he's back for another run as temporary co-host, it's Mike Hurley. Hi, Mike.
1: Hi, Jason. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Are you watching the clock?
1: Uh, you bet I am. Okay. I just would like to point out that now I am the most frequent guest on Clockwise. Interesting. I looked in your document today and saw the little league table, uh, and I am now on top because people keep leaving and going on
0: holidays. To my left, one of our, uh, it's a returning guest. It is uh, everybody's favorite Twitterer <laughs> by volume, uh, Glenn Fleischman. Hi, Glenn. Hello. Yes, I always win by volume.
1: And to my left, I have the head of development at Giant Space Cat and host of Isometric and Rocket on Relay FM, the lovely Brianna Wu.
0: Hi, Brianna.
2: Hello, humans. How are you? I'm, I'm feeling it today. I am just
0: thrilled to be on Clockwise. Alright, the way this works, we have four technology topics. We discuss them very rapidly and we're done in, in half an hour um, since I introduced the show today and Dan is not around. I'm going to go first and then everything will move clockwise from there. Uh, Mark German at 9to5Mac reported this week that at the Worldwide Developers Conference in June, Apple is going to release TV Kit. It's a development kit for the Apple TV and I'm wondering, this has been rumored for years, it seems like it's finally going to happen, although again, don't count your chickens. I feel like we've been down this road a lot. Are you excited about the possibility of apps on the Apple TV? And if you are,
3: why? Glenn, what do you think? Oh, I am thrilled by it because I've been using an Apple TV not as long as they've been out because I thought the first models were sort of uh, futile (laughs) compared with functionality because it was a hobby. Uh, But I've got a um, a third generation, I think, the one that does not update to iOS-ish-like interface. And uh, it's really clear that Apple works very closely or maybe even develops some of the apps uh, that are currently in there. But if they open it up, we'll have both the efflorescence of ideas, you know, a thousand apps will bloom like elsewhere. So we'll probably get some uh, unique and interesting ways to use the Apple TV that aren't available, but we'll also get, I hope, native apps designed by companies that are actually optimized for the device and not fitting within whatever Apple's very limited uh, framework and constraints are so we might get things that are better uh by far than today so uh, so i mean i don't know exactly what will come i think um you know i even like the flicker screen sharing feature but i would like more options in it for instance but i think netflix's app is probably done in close consultation with apple while others are clearly kind of like a weird html overlay slapped on a video feed so I, i think the experience will be overall enormously better
1: so for me, I mean, I've I've never owned an Apple TV. Um, I've never had any desire to own one either. I don't really watch uh, an awful lot of TV, and what I do watch, I just watch on my laptop. Um, like I have a TV that I have my games consoles hooked up to, but it doesn't. It's not even collect, connected to, to a TV area. Well, no TV service here. Um, so you know, some for for something like this to entice me. I want there to be apps that are compelling in a different way. Like I'm not interested in movie and TV apps, right? Maybe it'd be like really exciting games or something like that, or just something that currently I'm not really foreseeing. Like, you know, I've heard people say like, imagine if the Apple TV becomes like a hub for HomeKit or something like that. I think that's the kind of thing that would get me interested in this device rather than just, you know, here's an app from the BBC, here's an app from HBO, you know, that, that, just has never enticed me to go ahead and, and buy an Apple TV.
2: I've thought about this for a long time. The last time we kind of had this this avalanche of Apple TV rumors, it was when we were shipping Revolution 60. And you know, for me as a game developer, I have long, 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 long hoped that they would open this up to developers you know, um, this, the actual specs on the current version of Apple TV are not great, but I think there's there's there are many spaces to compete in with the game industry, right? Like Xbox One and, uh, you know, PS4. Those are for really hardcore gamers, right? And then with Nintendo, you kind of have this nostalgia crowd slash, you know, casual crowd. Um, I feel like there's another space where you could really compete. Amazon has tried to get into this space and they failed because the hardware is so consistently terrible, right? So, you know, I think Apple can do it. I just think it's gonna kinda require releasing another Apple television with slightly better specs, particularly on memory. Um, But that said, um, when it comes to actually the TV part of Apple TV, I actually don't know what people want. I mean, at this point, you have pretty much all the channels that you're really looking for, except for ESPN, I suppose. So I think the TV part of it has become very mature and a very good value for the money.
0: I think there might even be some ESPN on there. I mean, you're right; everything everything is there. I, I think two things are going to happen here. There, there's the richer, you know, richer experience of uh, that being able to say to developers, you can do more with your apps. Like, you know, Major League Baseball maybe has a they, they have some very impressive technology on PlayStation and on Xbox, Uh, but especially on, on, on PS3 and 4, uh, they have some amazing apps, and their, and their Apple TV app is okay. I imagine it could be a lot better if they had a lot more of the, of the control over what they wanted to do on Apple TV. Obviously, new hardware has to be part of the mix. I, I am intrigued by the idea of some gaming as part of this. I think the controller is always a question, like, you know, what's going to be the controller in the box? Are you going to be able to use your iPhones or iPads? Are you going to need to use your iPhones or iPads? But like Bree said, I think that there is an interesting space here that is not we're going to take on Xbox and PlayStation but is something that's, you know, that's, it's something, it's, it's, it's a little more casual, but it's not, uh, you know, it, it's for people who are not going to invest in an Xbox or a PlayStation. I, I think I, I think that might happen, but I think definitely the the thing that will happen is this richer kind of content experience where they'll get a couple of content providers up there to say, look how much more awesome our app is, including possibly Major League Baseball. I think that they, they like to use them as a partner and put them on stage. And we've seen with their PlayStation app, just how good they are at developing for these different platforms that's one topic down glenn what is your topic where in this case we should say david our friend david sparks couldn't be on this episode because of uh a, a, a painful kidney stone actually which is terrible and we hope he feels better soon um but he had a great topic and glenn uh our last minute fill-in i think you just decided to use his great topic right <laughs>
3: His topic is great, and, and much peace and love and fast recovery to David. Uh, and thank you for this topic. Uh, the so this is another Apple TV topic. So uh, the revolution in the Valley will not be televised. Woo-hoo! Uh, so rumors, you know, have abounded for years that Apple was working on a television set, not just a TV box that would connect. And I have said consistently for several years. Also, Apple does not get into low margin businesses. Apple does not get into low margin businesses. Most TV makers worldwide do not make money. They actually lose money on making TVs. Only the people who make the glass make money, and the TV makers have to stay in the business because, uh, I believe Ben Thompson of Stratechery has pointed out, the scale at which they work, if they got out of the business, it might ruin their other businesses because of component issues and so forth. So um, TVs do not make money uh, very much, and Apple, of course, of course, in the labs they were testing it, and, this, and what came out early this week is that they shelved the project last year and moved the people to other teams. But of course, Apple is testing all kinds of things all the time that never come to light, and sometimes we wish some of them that do come to light. Don't. But here's the big news. <laughs> the big news is not the Apple TV uh, television was was shelved, but that Gene Munster has finally given up on his prediction that one is coming. He has been predicting for year after year after year. It's been a running joke. And uh, even as people have said, look, Gene, Marge, because I think he got good word early on that they were exploring it and continuing to explore it. So my question is for you. <clears throat> what, <laughs> having gotten through that, uh, what prediction have you made in the past you've been proven wrong on? And why do you think you got it wrong? So mine is actually
1: a quite a recent prediction that I was so certain of, I thought that I'd lucked into something that I believed that when Apple unveiled the watch, they were actually going to unveil third party fashion bands, you know, from some select providers, because my thinking was they won't do select app providers, they'll do select band providers and they'll wheel them out on stage and you'll see all the beautiful bands from Gucci and Louis Vuitton and stuff like that. Um, I thought it was going to be, I was going to be very smart, but no, I was completely wrong uh and i and looking back on it now i think obviously it was difficult enough just for apple to deal with the logistics of their own bands um, if you imagine them trying to then ship a bunch of other third party bands on top of that at the same time I, I don't think any of us would have Apple Watches maybe for the next six months so that was probably why that didn't happen
2: I think that as Apple pundits kind of I think there's there's a commonality that everyone in this group gets like there's a certain language that we understand that you know, repeatedly when outside analysts kind of talk about Apple they repeatedly get it wrong there's like this deliberate Just a a paradigm that they fundamentally don't understand about the company. And the time I really, really, really got it wrong was when John Gruber was writing about um, he broke the story of the iPad. I think it was one or two days before um, it launched. And we had no idea what it was going to be. Like there were a lot of people that were worried it was going to be, you know, just a giant iPhone. And, you know, I, along with a lot of other people, was like, what? They can't do that. It's got to be something totally different. That would be a completely worse worthless gadget and and for me that is the moment that kind of reflecting on that and thinking about the, the underlying assumptions that I had that were wrong. That was kind of my growing up moment where I kind of understood how Apple operated. And what's really amazing to me is how Apple's been around for a while now and how the rest of the press doesn't like, have a similar moment of self-reflection when they get it wrong, which they commonly do. So I don't know. That was when I kind of got it really wrong and learned something from it. What about you, Jason?
0: Uh, I, I'm going to actually go back to, I've, I've got an anecdote and and a personal thing. What, one The anecdote that I have is I edited, um, Matt Deathridge for about a year wrote the back page column on Macworld. And at one point, one of his columns was why Apple would never, ever, ever, ever switch from PowerPC to Intel. <laughs> <laughs> and like within a few months, that was totally wrong. That's and and that, that is a classic. That is a classic. And he had lots of really good reasons why. And yet it happened. That's Apple for you. Mine is actually what we talked about at the top of the show, which is I wrote A thing about how Apple TV, Apple TV has vexed me. I have written about Apple TV getting developer stuff uh, for years, little years now, for like three years about how it would be great if they did a new Apple TV and they had game support so people could write games and it would be like a low, low power, low end console. But for people who wouldn't buy a console and it didn't happen and it still hasn't happened and maybe something like that will finally happen. Um, So and I wrote last year, I wrote a story. Is it a prediction or just kind of amusing? But the idea of like, well, what if they did an Apple TV? That was a little different, and it was like looked more like a Kinect or something like that, where it, it perched on top of your TV and uh, was a, you know a Siri microphone and had a camera for FaceTime and all of that, and it would be like a little bit different than all of the other little hockey pucks that are out there. And that you know nothing has happened with Apple TV at all, so all predictions about Apple TV up to this point are wrong because nothing has happened. <laughs> so uh, that's 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 me. That that product just completely vexes me.
3: Well, I found a really good awful one that um, that is also aspirational, which was in 2003. I made a prediction in this fine publication called Macworld Magazine that uh, Apple would release something called iHub or something like that, that would actually help you combine all the different kinds of inputs and outputs you were dealing with in 2003. Scanners, DV camcorders, digital cameras, inkjet printers, digital video recorders, web galleries. And I said, they'll make one piece of software that lets you connect and deal with all this, manage it all in one place instead of the mess of separate programs and lack of support. And of course, that's never materialized in any fashion. What we got instead was iTunes, which is even worse than my worst imagining and doesn't do any of those things either. We
0: are halfway through this one. That's two topics down, two more to go. But before we move on to our third topic, I want to tell you about our halftime sponsor. Our halftime sponsor in this week's Clockwise is lynda.com, the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash clockwise. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash clockwise. lynda.com is for problem solvers, for the curious, for people who want to make things happen. Now, it's online learning. And it's in so many different areas. If you want to master Excel, if you want to learn negotiation tactics, you want to build a website, boost your Photoshop skills, become a better photographer, build, you know, CSS and HTML and JavaScript. And if you can think about it, pretty much there's a course on lynda.com for it. Um, you uh, watch and learn from the top experts. They're really passionate about teaching. You can stream thousands of video courses on demand. When you're a lynda.com member, you have access to the entire library. You're not nickel and dimed as you go. You get to see everything. Um, they're structured so you can watch them from start to finish like a regular class, or you can jump in to learn the one thing you need and then come on back out and, uh, and put that knowledge to use. Uh, you can create and save playlists of courses. You can share them with friends. You can watch and download them. Them on your android or ios device so you can learn on the go all of this comes with your lynda.com membership unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics for one price so you should check it out, lynda.com slash clockwise, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash clockwise. Sign up for your, for your free 10-day trial where you'll have access to everything. So I recommend that you take 10 days off so that you can learn everything uh, from the 10-day trial. But you know what's going to happen at the end of the day 10? You're going to want to sign up for Lynda because there's just too much stuff there. So thank you so much to lynda.com for sponsoring uh, Clockwise's Halftime and all of Relay FM. Now, Mike, do you have a topic for us?
1: I most certainly do, Jason. So next week, Google I.O. is upon us. So in preparation of that, um, I would like to ask the panel today, are there any predictions of what Google may be likely to do or be up to at Google I.O. next week? And Bree, I will come to you first.
2: Oh, man, I don't know how likely this is, but something I'm, I'm really, really hopeful for. Um, you know, something Apple does very, very well is they work with Unreal Engine. Unreal Engine is this like professional level um, game engine that has been used actually since the '90s. And what Apple did is they went to Epic and they worked with them to bring over this professional engine to make you know games beyond this 99 cent distraction, but real impressive, substantive games, and bringing it over to their platform. Um, we moved to U4, Unreal Engine 4, uh, last year would really be the year of it. Um, and one of the really exciting things about it is the Android support that's built into that. Um, and what's been frustrating for me so far is how Apple isn't perfect about this, but they do generally work with Epic and update the the devices as they come out and update you know the frameworks and APIs so it will work on that. What I would like to see Google do Um, you know, this year's I.O. would be to kind of announce that same kind of partnership with Epic and to get really serious about providing Android support. You know, it's there's no reason why, for me as a developer, I shouldn't be able to make a game, use certain frameworks, and then plug it in and compile it to my Android phone, just like I do my iOS devices. And, you know, I'm hoping this is the year they really get serious about that.
0: Uh, For me, I mean, I I can predict, talking about bad predictions and good predictions, because I'll predict that Google will have a keynote that goes really long and announces everything again because they always do that. I feel like one of the uh, problems with Google is that they don't have a lot of discipline in their presentations. They want to serve all of their various groups and give them time on stage, even though some of them won't have anything interesting to show. It's like, hey, here's the Maps team. You guys like Maps, right? Applause. Okay, they got nothing. Next, right? I mean, that happens at Google I.O., and it's fine. I want to see some uh, updates to Android Auto because I think that Android Auto and uh, CarPlay from Apple are both... uh, uh, kind of uh still uh in the process of becoming real and so i i would uh, hope for an interesting demo there i think um uh the uh the android wear watch stuff i think we we will see some stuff there that's that's going to be viewed as a reaction to the apple watch and whether it is or not we'll see but i think there might be some interesting things there uh to uh kind of counter what apple is doing and show off all the things that they're doing with android wear uh the, there are rumors of android wear support for ios i think that would be a very interesting thing google does like to drop some um, some iOS-related things in to sort of remind people that their ecosystem spans not only their own operating system, but but onto Apple's, too. So those are the things that I'm really looking for. And I'm going to throw out uh, uh, just a wild card, which is, um, let's say, way more integration and interest about uh, Chrome OS and Android. Uh, I I think that that's a direction they've been heading for a while now, um, and maybe we'll get a, a, a clearer picture
3: on how those two things fit together. I agree with you that it'll be a hot mess because that's usually Google's plan is they like to throw everything uh, out there and see what sticks and usually nothing sticks. So, uh, you know, I think one of the greatest things from last year was uh, a product made of paper that apparently attracted some interest. Uh, Literally, I think it's called Google Cardboard a uh, foldable paper product that uh, that's being developed in place of glass. But uh, we'll probably see an update to Android because they do that roughly every year. Not exactly, but I think it's close to that. Uh, the last version was Lollipop. lollipop KitKat Cat was before that. So this will probably be uh, unbaked cookie dough version 6.0, <laughs> something like that to represent best its philosophy of, of sort of seeing what things are like before they're fully baked what I'm most interested in is seeing how Google pulls things together and I think over the last few years they're getting closer to that idea they've, they've stripped off some projects or put them into the background so that they're not putting as much attention on things that are less practical and uh, you know fragmentation as an iOS user I obviously look at uh, Android and think gosh they really need to pull this together and there's Chrome OS and as you say we're definitely going to see more Chrome OS and Android uh, connection because that's been a promise for Chromebooks to be able to run more Android apps so that's certainly on the agenda but when you look at the stats you know most people running android are running outdated versions like the vast majority and some you know about half are running really outdated versions so i hope that google is actually Working on a plan as we <laughs> in 2015 to let consumers and developers and mobile carriers uh, all work together more closely to keep things up to date for security reasons, and so that users get the best possible uh, experience across many different kinds of platforms that Google makes and uh, and that are you know often well regarded in isolation.
1: So that's a, a whole round of fantastic answers. I mean, I think for me, uh, I would be really excited to see something from Tony Fidel's new Google Glass revamp oh. group. It, it might be a little bit early for that, but it would be exciting, you know, to maybe to see people jumping out of Zeppelins again or something like that. <laughs> um, but to continue the theme of this week's episode, uh, I expect that we'll hear a lot about Android TV. Um, and, and maybe it may be a, some sort of merging with Chromecast in some way. Oh. All right, so moving on, Bree, what do you have for us this week?
2: Verge had two articles this week about Microsoft HoloLens and you know kind of the changes they've made from the big demo that they gave last year and the improvements with it, um, as well as that last week, uh, Oculus finally put out what the computer specs are going to be for the consumer version of their virtual reality hardware that's going to come out next year. So here we have a VR product that's very mature and an AR product that's, you know, first gen, and it's probably going to be Microsoft-y when it comes to market. But, you know, I think it, it everything I've seen so far seems to say Microsoft is on to something. So I guess my question to the rest of the panel, and you know, Jason, I'll kick that over to you, is like, what would an Apple VR experience look like? Do you think that they could deliver that? Do you have any thoughts on that?
0: I've I, so i I've mentioned this before, and I will again. I I, th- I think um, Bill Atkinson, who, who created HyperCard and was on the original Mac team, gave this uh, presentation at Macworld Expo a few years ago, where he talked about a, a, a virtual assistant who lives in your ear, which I actually think is kind of brilliant. And I do think this is where we're going, is a bunch of little tiny devices. Apple Watch is a first example of that. They're, they're the satellites to your smarter device that's maybe connected to the internet until we get to the point where they can all be connected to the internet. I think AR has a lot of power as an assistant kind of thing, like to, to do overlays. I think VR, like pure VR, like Oculus seems to be, uh, my guess is a much more limited kind of thing because I think, you know, it, it, yes, it, it may make a bunch of people motion sick. And the whole idea is to replace all of reality. I think that there are much more limited uses for completely replacing reality. Gaming is a great example of that. Um, then the augmented stuff where things are being overlaid. I do think Apple may play there. But I, my, my gut feeling is that Apple is more interested in things like the Apple Watch, where it's got some haptic feedback, and it's a little screen on your wrist, and maybe even something that is more Siri-like technology, where a, 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 something goes in your ear. And it, it's all going to kind of accumulate. But um, when I think about what where Apple's going, I feel like Apple is going to try to be a little less on the vision side and a little bit more on uh on hearing and touch, and then screens for the vision part that you can you can dismiss by just not looking at them.
3: That's oh. my guess, Glenn. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be an interesting overlap of I want to say like AR and VR in the sense of instead of fully rendered virtual environments, I think there's a lot of near-term work on using uh, uh, being able to map real photography and real, uh, real-time real video of real places and use that to step into. So it is a virtual reality. You're not in the space, right? You're not seeing overlays on your own reality, but it's almost like augmented reality for virtual reality of a real place. And the example is uh, Microsoft is in fact working on this with uh, NASA's uh, JPL uh, program um, for Curiosity and having talked to some Mars Rover drivers, they, um, they use uh, 3D glasses and other kinds of techniques they're taking stereoscopic pictures on Mars and they use that to plan the routes. So they're going to go another step further and, and be able to walk on Mars with this technology. And so Mars is, it's the real Mars captured by photography and then someday by video. And I could see um, the Apple angle there is Apple likes two things. They like things they can promote as education, even if they're not necessarily, and they like the personal connection. So I could see cases in which like Apple could create a a product or a system that let you have, um, and I don't know what form it would take because right, you know, all the, the, all, the form factors aren't right now, but I presume Apple comes out with something different, like a bridge of the nose, direct to your eye, you know, laser painting thing, or God knows what. Um, but that you're uh, in a virtual conference with other people, and instead of looking at screens that give you some sense of immersion, you're actually looking at the other people sitting at different points in a table. Which, uh, instead of holograms appearing, you're wearing glasses that actually paint them there as if they're there. And uh, and the same thing for personal connection, FaceTime, AR, VR would be you reach out and you get a taptic feel in your hand or a haptic feel when you touch someone else you see them you're both in the same room it doesn't have to be a virtual room you could each be in each other's rooms through that kind of technology so I think the personal connection is probably what Apple would sell first and have both the business and education case like kids wander Mars uh, you know and dads and moms see your babies when you're on the road. They can, you can actually see them walk around and they can almost interact with you.
1: I feel like as everybody is like now going for reality and computing, um, we have AR and VR. I think looking at what's available, I think the one that in my mind potentially has the ability to make the biggest impact is AR. Um I think virtual reality its main you know its main things are going to be you know entertainment because kind of you ha- you are inv- very vulnerable when you have VR on, right? It's meant to envelop you and all of your senses for a very time. So that's going to remain in the home, right? It's going to be confined to those entertainment environments. But AR could be everywhere, right? Because if, if you imagine Google Glass gets really good, uh, you, it could just be part of your day and you're walking around and that's just the life that you lead. And I think that that's where it can obviously become a big part of our lives and really disrupt things. And, and I think that to look into the future, I think AR is going to prevail to be the one that we live with more and more on a daily basis.
2: Yeah, Mike, I really agree with what you just said, and I think that I think there are two things you really need to think about when it comes to AR over VR. As um, someone that's experimented with this a lot in playtesting groups at a company whose entire purpose it is, uh, like, the entire thing we try to do at Giant Space Cast meet the needs of everybody, like, not just hardcore gamers. So, something we found repeatedly is normal people are very, very sensitive to putting this goggle on their face because they don't feel safe. And also when you move, um, your inner ear is telling you you're standing still, but your eyes are telling you that you're you're moving forward. And that disconnect causes a lot of nausea. So I think AR solves those problems in a way that's um, just a lot better. I think at its core, you know, touchscreen technology existed for a long time before the iPhone. I can remember being at you know, Disney, like hammering on the screen, trying to get it to register a tab. Apple is the one that kind of figured out these touch paradigms in a way that made it consumable for everybody. And what I personally see um, in Microsoft and Oculus is companies that are working on this overall problem, but don't really have those problems refined, particularly with interface. So, I think Apple historically is in a really good position to innovate here.
0: All right. Thank you. And those were four amazing and excellent topics. We have just enough time for a super quick bonus question. Uh, The bonus question this week on Clockwise brought to you by Dropbox for Business. Dropbox for Business lets your whole team sync and share files just like the Dropbox 300 million users love, but with all the space you need and administrative tools to manage and protect company information. You've got people working all over satellite offices. They may actually be on satellites if you are a a person like a mad scientist with space things. Home offices on the road. Everyone's using different apps, different phones different computers. Dropbox for Business lets them all work together from anywhere. The marketing team in Seattle can collaborate on a presentation with sales in Miami before sending it off to the client in, let's say, Kansas City. All in an instant. Everyone stays on the same page, no matter what they're using. And since those files are all in one place, IT can easily manage and secure your company's data with powerful administrative tools built into Dropbox for Business. Plus, you can plug in more than 300,000 apps, everything from Microsoft Office and Salesforce to eDiscovery and DLP solutions get your free dropbox for business trial at dropbox.com slash clockwise that's dropbox.com slash clockwise thank you to dropbox for business for sponsoring the bonus question the bonus question is this dan morin is in portugal name a country that you haven't been to that you'd like to visit one day
3: glenn oh i have an easy pick there it's new zealand I uh, hear it's the most beautiful place in the world kiwis forever
1: i would like to go to japan um, I'm kind of fascinated a little bit by the culture and the tech influences and stuff. I would love to do that one day but uh, I'm, I'm a little bit intimidated by it but I think it would be an incredible experience.
2: something uh, you know, my husband and I have on our bucket list is we actually want to go to Portugal at some point and we want to learn how to like get like a real boat a serious boat you can live on and we would like to like sail all around the world. Particularly, we would like to go to Japan at some point and recreate this like famous voyage that happened during the uh, the Opium Wars. So um, I don't know. I, I really want to do that at some point. That's my retirement dream.
0: Awesome. Those are all great answers. And I will say, since Glenn took New Zealand, I will just move to the left a little and say Australia because I would love to go down under Well, there's a song about it that you can listen to separately. I'm not going to sing it now because we've reached the end. Glenn Fleischman, thank you so much for being on Clockwise as our emergency uh, fill-in guest. A pleasure to be here.
1: And Brianna Wu, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure.
2: Happy to be here.
0: Mike, thank you for being my emergency fill-in host as well. Anytime. And uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening to Clockwise. As always, we remind you, watch what you say. And keep
1: watching the clock.
0: See you next week. Bye-bye.